Hello, everyone, and welcome to Financial Views with Local Brews, Episode 2. My guest today is Dave Colt, co-founder of one of the largest breweries in all of the Midwest, Sun King Brewing, right out of our backyard here in Indianapolis, Indiana. We talk origins, how they've managed their growth over the last 10 years, and what's in store for them moving forward. I hope you enjoy it, and as always, cheers. The next round's on me. All right, well, I'm sitting down with Dave Colt, co-founder of Sun King. Thank you for doing this, man. How are you? I'm great, Jeff. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me and thinking of Sun King. Absolutely. You know, uh, I moved to the Midwest back in 2013, and obviously I visited the one in Fishers that you had uh, prior to opening up all the locations that you have around the city, so appreciate that. Now, obviously, you're very well known in Indianapolis. For, for those that may not know the origin story of Sun King, if you wouldn't mind telling my listenership how you guys got started and go for it from there. Uh, thanks for asking. I'm going to tell you it started when I was five years old, uh, not Sun King itself, but my love of beer at that point. Uh, there were some adults in, in my life that you know were drinking the stuff out of these cans and really enjoying you know really enjoying it. And then something happened on the TV, a sporting event, and they all kind of like rushed to the TV to cheer or whatever. And I was like, hmm, what's in these cans? And I took a sip and I went, ooh, this is good. I like whatever this is, is really good. And then I handed it to my brother and took a sip. And to this day, he's not really a big beer fan. I, I don't think that it had anything to do with it, but it's a fun story to tell. Gotcha. So um, fast forward, uh, after um, moving to Indianapolis, I went to Hanover College and I was working at a uh, brew pub called Circle V Brewing Company. Uh, opened in 96 and closed in 99. But in those three years, I was a bartender, but I'd always loved beer. And so I was talking to one of the owners who was a brewer, who was the brewer. And I said, hey, man, can I come help out one day? And he goes, yeah, I'd be here to, you know, at 7 a.m. And I was like, crap, I'm the closing bartender. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it was a little bit of a rough morning, but I uh, got there. And then that, that magical moment of mashing in just that delicious breakfast you know sweet grain thing going on and I went damn I know what I want to do for the rest of my life so that's where Sun King started um, but how the how it developed uh, was my friendship with uh, my co-founding partner Clay Robinson and so Clay and I met um, oddly enough at that Circle V brewing company we were one of the only uh, you know breweries at the time that would sell you to go beer in kegs. You know, Broderick Brew Pub never really did that. Um, and, you know, there weren't very many breweries to begin with. So we were a bit unique on that front. So Clay had a, uh, a rock and roll habit that he liked to pay by vending craft beer at fish shows. So, he had, you know, shows, huh? yeah, at fish shows. So we still have his uh, Westie out back here. It doesn't run, but it's here. And we keep swearing that we're going to restore it and we just never get around to do it. Does he it. hit them every time they come over to over to Noblesville? Um, you know, he's got a young kid, so not not for a few years, but I'm sure that'll be yeah. Back <laughs> he'll be back in form, in good form. So he sure. likes to refer to it that he's a refer a reformed hippie 
uh, you know, not being an entrepreneur, but, you know, if you think about it, he was an entrepreneur then, you know, trying to sell for, you know, sell beer for his rock and roll habit. So we, you know, met then, um, but fast forward a few years, he was the head brewer at Rock Bottom downtown, and I was the assistant brewer at the Ram when it opened. And, you know, he came over with his assistant to check on the new guys, see how they're doing, and yep. have a beer and, you know, some fellowship. Uh, and so when he walked in the room, we're both like, hey, do I know you? And then, you know, kind of worked backwards and figured that part of it out. So we remained friends after that. You know, on Fridays, we'd go to each other's place and have a pint and talk about beer and all that kind of good stuff. Clay then exited the brewing scene. I became the head brewer at the Ram downtown. Um, and they were opening up a second location in Fishers that didn't have a brewery, so beer needed to be supplied up there. So I needed to hire somebody to come work. I was actually calling Clay to get someone else's phone number because he was kind of out of the you know craft beer game at the time. And he said, no, man, I want to get back in. So we started in 2005 working together. Um, and when you lock two guys in a room for 50 hours a week polishing copper and making beer, they're going to start talking about stuff, right? right? We right. got some hours to fill. Uh, so we really started very simply just like, hey, what's the best job you ever had? What's the worst job? You know, and that kind of evolved into if you had your own place what would you do and the more we talked the more we saw eye to eye on everything on that front and then toward the end of our career at the ram we would have people come in who were you know interested in starting a brewery but they didn't have the brewing knowledge they had the cash and so you know we'd taken a couple of meetings here and there and decided man if we work for somebody else who doesn't understand brewing then it's just like the job that we presently have so we have the knowledge let's go find the money and that's when sun king really started to you know get going with the with the idea of what we wanted to do not open up a pub uh which was the common model at the time and just really kind of get after you know let's make beer nice Well, I think creativity is definitely a hallmark of the craft brew universe, and you guys are no exception. You have some of the craziest names for the beers out of any that I've seen. Obviously, my favorite is Osiris, but if you wouldn't mind sharing a couple stories about how you guys originate and come up with the names of your entire lineup. Um, Sunlight Cream Ale just makes some sense, right? That's our flagship. It's about 40% of the beer that we produce is that guy right there. And it actually started off as a seasonal beer. It wasn't meant to be part of the mainstay lineup. Yeah. When we, you know, our, our original lineup, Osiris, Wemac, and uh, Bitter Druid, you know, we're like, all right, cool. Yeah. Uh, guess what style of beer really wasn't very popular in Bitters. 2009? <laughs> Bitters, exactly. They're coming around now. They are, but it's kind of a tweener, right? Yeah. If you're a hophead, it's not hoppy enough. And if you're a multi you know, like the multi boys and sure. it's not that either. So it's a pretty nuanced beer. And we were like, Oh yeah, this is very sophisticated. Radical group hub, you know, has had a lot of success with their, with their ESB. And so we're like, all right, the market seems like it might want to start off with that. And that was the first beer that we killed out of that lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we got through brewing our first revolutions of those beers, we're like, well, we need a seasonal man. It's hot out. Uh, so let's make a cream ale. But let's, you know, let's invoke the spirit of like Little Kings or Jenny Cream. 
from out east, but do it in a craft manner. And so we put it out there, sold really well. Still hot. People coming in, getting dollar fills, are saying, hey, can you make some more? And we're like, all right. So we kept making it, and we're like, shit. <laughs> this, we keep selling it faster and faster and faster right. every time we make it. And so, you know, it's one of those lessons um, that uh, entrepreneurs, young entrepreneurs need to understand is that your customer base will tell you what they want and you just need to listen. So we listened and said, hey, man, this is a fun beer to make. It's an easy brew day as far as that's concerned. So let's keep let's keep going. So um, when we named it, you know, we wanted to invoke that it's a lighter style of beer. And Sun King is in the name, so we're like, hey, sunlight, right? There you go. We sent it off to the TTB, and we spelled it differently, and they were like, no, no, no. It sounds like you're promising low calorie. So, you you know, they didn't give us any guidelines back, so that we had to respell it, uh, oh, you know, wow. a different way okay. so that they would go, yep, good. <laughs> right? Just fun things that you learn along the way. Uh, Wemac was the s- second or third beer that we made. It's still part of our core lineup. Right. Um, when we were looking at it, we didn't have any draft accounts around town, but we knew Stuart from formerly uh, McNiven's, who's one of the owners there, and you know it was a good craft beer bar uh, for sure. Always, always was. Um, and their little logo, the little Scottish guy. They called Wemac, and so we're like, well, if we name it Wemac, uh, you know, there's probably a good chance that he's going to pick it up and put it on draft. And sure enough, that's what he did. Fantastic. A little, little guerrilla marketing there. A little bit, you know, a little targeted <laughs> marketing. But we like the name. It works really well for this, you know, it's a hybrid style. Yeah. So it's kind of a, you know, a cross between McCune's and um, Sammy Smith's. You know, you've got that nice big multi... Uh, hops are very low, um, you know, kind of caramel notes in there, and just a little whisper of chocolate. Nice. So that's how we Mac got to be named. And then Osiris, um, you know, we were just kind of tooling around trying to figure out what would be a cool name for it. And then Clay was doing a little uh, internet searching and uh, found that in Egyptian mythology, um, Osiris is, you know, always depicted with a green face. Hops are green. It's a hoppy beer, so that kind of works. And also, you know, he was the god of vegetation and the underworld, but not like in hell or damnation, just like there's the heavens and then the underworld or the terrestrial world that we all (laughs) occupy, right? Gotcha. So we're like, hey, this kind of lines up, and it's a cool name, and most importantly, no one had used it. Fantastic. I mean, that's that's definitely my favorite of your of your lineup, man, man. It's my daily beer. Nice. Yeah. Well, we share a kinship there, man. Cheers. Cheers. That's good. Mm-hmm. Now, you guys have grown quite a lot since 2009. Is there any of the forefathers, you know, legacy breweries that you look to for guidance or inspiration? If so, who would that who would that be? I mean, well, I mean first and foremost, uh, Sierra Nevada. It was sure. the first time I had a hoppy beer like that, an American-style hoppy beer, right? You have um, Bass, which is, you know, Pale Ale, and some other stuff from other places. But the first time I tasted, uh, you know, 
old girl, the OG hoppy, right? right? Sierra Nevada Pale, I went, whoa, what is this? This is fantastic. This is before my craft brewing career started, right? And I went, dang, what the heck? And then, you know, just kind of followed, followed that, um, their story and, and what they had going on. And, you know, it was like, wow, way to go, man. This is great. Didn't think at the time that I would have my own place as well. So um, they were sort of a North Star as far as that's concerned. Uh, but when we started getting going, you know, we had friends in the brewing industry that maybe left pubs and started to work at bigger places like, um, oh gosh, Surly Brewing, um, our friends out at, uh, well, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, Dale's Pale, um, Oscar Blues, yeah, okay. you know our friends at Oscar Blues and some other places that had been where we were, and so whenever we had questions about equipment um, or you know moving moving to that next step, we'd ping our friends and you know say, hey, what did you guys do when you encountered this problem? And they were you know true true to you know pretty much universally through craft sharing knowledge and saying. Yeah, but don't do that, right? <laughs> it's yeah. most important to know those things too. Sure, and lean on your forefathers. Exactly, and yeah. so we, you know, and they were freshly, you know, just beyond that phase, or maybe somebody had some equipment that they were getting ready to phase out because they needed bigger stuff. So, you know, a bunch of those things, for nice. sure. Yeah, that's great, man. It's uh, you know, you guys. I like to think of you guys as kind of mad scientists because you're always tinkering with all these new blends and whatnot. Give me kind of a backstory on a on one that came up short and that was just a failure. It sounded good on paper and you tinkered with it, but it just never manifested and came out the way you liked. Oh, this is going to sound really not what you want to hear. Yeah. But um, we've not. I mean, before opening up Sun King, I'd been brewing professionally for ten years. So gotcha. You know, maybe I worked out some kinks on that front. Sure. You know, so. Uh, Clay was two years behind me in professional brewing. So, you know, combined we had 18 years when we opened the doors. Uh, Some things may, you know, we may have made some beers where I was like, it missed the mark. Is it still good? Does it, you know, does it nail the style? But is it the absolute expression of what we wanted? Maybe not. So, you know. Well, on the flip side of that, a success that I have to hear the story of how it came about was I tried your Jack's chocolate donut stout. Oh, I don't yeah. know if that was a couple of, maybe a few years ago, but how, do, how does that idea to mix Jack's donuts into a, a stout and how did that sy- symmetry come together or synergy rather come together? Stouts, you know, started to pop up in popularity and, um, you know, we were taking a look at trends as we do hazies right. and that sort of thing. And we're like, mm, okay, how do we, how do we do this? But we do it. Pardon me, CO two bubbles there. Uh, we do it the Sun King way, and so, you know, taking a look at it, and we'd met um, the folks at Jack's Donuts. We'd done some beer pairings here where they can't, you know, people would come in. They pre-ordered flights. This is pre-COVID, obviously. Sure. You know, so they'd order, you know, a flight of beers, and then we had donuts paired with each flight. So, you know, super fun. They were a blast to work with. And when we thought about um, this pastry stout, we immediately were like, well, who doesn't like donuts? <laughs> so 
you know, we we uh, hit those good folks up and had them come in, and we sat down and tasted a bunch of different, again, you know, perks of the job. Sure. Like, you know, having some more donuts and saying to ourselves, hmm, I think the chocolate one works the best, but could we modify your, you know, chocolate frosted chocolate donut? We're looking for these, you know, attributes that'll blend well with the malt. So we, you know, they were like, hell yeah, we'll do that. So we just, uh, you know, had a ball putting in about 500 donuts into <laughs> our 5,000th batch of beer. Wow. Yeah. Then uh, the barrel-aged version, whew, so good as well. And on nitro, that beer was stunning. Okay. It was just, you know, I mean, you tried it. Yeah. Did it taste like the entire front-to-back experience of eating a donut, it, it, but yes, in beer form? I, right. Yeah, i got to be honest, it did. I was like, this is incredible. I've never had anything like this before. Yeah. Is that stuff that you guys are always looking to do here in the local community is kind of pair up kind of what you're doing with a, a growing foodie scene or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, from the very beginning, we wanted to, you know, take a look at it. It was obviously the Great Recession when we opened up the doors and we're right. like, can we highlight... You know, not just ourselves, but highlight local producers who are doing fantastic things. And it was, I think, before the the food scene here in Indy really started to get going. And just look at local producers and say, how can we how can we connect with them? Can we use their product? If not, can we do a pairing? Can we do you know other things that show folks like, hey, you don't have to look for national brands. There are people making fantastic things wonderful things are grown here you know i would put indiana tomatoes in the summer up against anybody's right so those kinds of things to take a look at uh so we've done things um we've done stuff with uh best chocolate in town uh their wee mac truffle you know when the pre-covid was one of their you know best-selling chocolates in the mix um we you know have done things with uh just pop in in fact, uh, for our Royal Order member, which is a, s- a subscription, you get uh, two of every single release from our royal or from our uh, sour and barrel aged side. Uh, we're going to be doing a Zoom pairing very soon with popcorn on that front. So we're going to be cutting loose a barrel aged version of Whoopie Pie, which was the second pastry stout that we did. Oh, nice! Um, and then. We're also doing a double dip on that front, so then we're doing Practical Magic, which is a, a slow gin fizz-inspired sour beer. Hmm. Interesting. Now, obviously, Indiana has a tremendous uh, beer scene, and it's grown tremendously over the years. Uh, if you had to pick uh, a sister brewery of yours, other than your own blends, to kind of enjoy a beer, who would it be? If you, if you could think of a couple, who would it be outside your own? Oh, um... You know, uh, the folks at Chili Water always make some good stuff. I love pop, popping in there and and checking those guys out. Um, golly, who else? There are so many. I'm just trying to think of, like, in concentric circles. Um, you know, Metazoo's doing a nice job. Rob, who, Rob Malad, who is one of the brewers for us, uh, left to go to Ohio to start something up and then came back here and uh, is a brewer there, so they do some really nice things, just to name two. 
That's fantastic. I mean, that's that's one of the things I enjoyed about starting this podcast is there is so many different flavors of crafts, craft breweries all around the state. So it's nice to know here in the home base we've got a tremendous amount of selection there. So that's that's great. You know, dovetailing to that, if you had, you know, obviously from the Sierra uh, Nevada days to when you guys started, now the craft scene has kind of exploded. If you had... You know, in my seat on the day-to-day basis as a as a, a wealth consultant and financial advisor, part of my job is, you know, counseling, guiding, and educating on different things that are happening in the marketplace. If you had a home brewer come to you today, what advice would you give them as they want to move forward and pursuing a dream on their own? Well, Jeff, we've done a lot of mentoring over the years. I mean, yeah. we're paying it forward, just like the people who helped us in conversations. So. We've chatted with a lot of folks who want to start up breweries. And, you know, I guess I would say that the market is intense out there. Um, Don't try to rush to package right away. You know, build your brand um, brick by brick through your tap room or, you know, pub or whatever it is that you've got going on. And really think about what it is that you want to achieve. Uh, For us, we wanted to, you know... We wanted to have Indianapolis and Sun King be synonymous, like you think about Surly in Minneapolis and other, you know, other breweries like that. Sure. So that meant that we we probably need to get to package. Um, so, you know, do you want do you want a really nice, chill life? Um, maybe you know, stick to uh, some accounts, um, some draft, and because you can self distro, which is which is a boon. Don't go rushing into going to a distributor right. uh, because you're going to lose some margin on that. So you're taking 30 points off the top to go through distribution. We waited for a very long time before we pulled the trigger on that uh, because we knew that we needed that capital to continue to grow. Mm-hmm. So, you know, be patient, do your due diligence. Um, get as much experience on all sides of the of brewing, you know, front of house, back of house. And if you do want to go, you know, blow it up and try and be, you know, a Sun King size, you can. There's always room for great beer, but it's a little tough. It's tougher sledding right now. Grocery stores, the shelf um, is completely proliferated with brands that have been there before you, legacy brands that have been there before you. So it's going to take some serious work to try and crack into into that. Gotcha. And that, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of a, a growth mindset and thinking abundantly, you know, and that kind of dovetails in. Obviously, you guys have, you've grown substantially since 2009 and growth, you know, I work with a lot of business owners and individuals that want to grow very quickly, but then they can't really manage the growth that they've manifested. How have you guys kept the kind of reins on the growth over these last many years to get, you know, because now you have three big locations inside of Indianapolis. You know, I was uh, speaking with one of my friends down in Florida. He had a Sun King beer in, uh, in Sarasota. So obviously you guys are getting the growth south, but how have you guys kind of managed that and keep it within the, within the, I would say, the hold the reins on it for so not grow too quickly? I mean, there is the desire, especially when we started to first pop up and, you know, our big, our biggest day in awards was 2011 at the Great American Beer Festival where we won eight, which nobody else has 
ever done that. So that's awesome. That day, um, or not that day, but obviously the next week, we were getting calls from distributors across the country, and we were tempted to, you know, build a big ass brewery that could just pump out beers for days. And we thought, is that what is that what we're about? Is that who we want to be? So we want to grow consciously with purpose, not, you know, overshoot anything. One of our mantras internally is under promise and over deliver. And that means to yourself too, right? So, um, yeah, we could have spent $20 million and built this monolith brewery and that would have been cool and had its own, you know, fun challenges and stuff, but it just didn't feel... It didn't feel right, and it didn't feel like what our purpose is here. So, you know, we want to grow purposefully. We want to grow um, consciously. Uh, When we take on a new, well, then when we were distributing, when we took on a new account, we didn't ever want to run them out of beer. So there were times, especially in summers, in our first, you know, five years where we had to say, sorry, we can't, you know, we can pick you back up in the fall when you know things slow down a bit. Um, but when we have you as a customer, we want to make sure that we fulfill your needs because an out on on the shelf or tap handle with no beer pouring out of it does none of us any good. So you know, during the winters are when uh, we you know spend the capital. We can install new equipment and bring it online. And so that's why we would hold people off until that time. So so now it's the same thing, but with distributors. Like, we don't ever want to run you out of beer. So can we, in good conscience, take you on with what we have going on and make sure that all of our needs are served? Good. Well, obviously that growth has led to a certain place. You know, I'm starting to see a trend that once breweries get to the certain size, then they want to kind of diversify. You're seeing some going to the bourbon side with whiskey. And you've seen some go in the seltzer game. What was part of the decision to not just be a brewery, but move from a brewery to a beverage company? So what was kind of the the mindset behind bringing out the seltzers? I appreciate that question. I want to kind of back up just a smidge because you've said growth a couple of times, and I want to address that. Um, Growth doesn't mean like dynamic, you know, growth in the sense that you've got this hockey, hockey stick kind of thing happening. Growth can be, you know, measured in many ways. There, at one point, um, you know, we had a, a person that worked in production who said, "Well, you know, if we don't keep growing like exponentially over the years, then what do we have going on?" Growth can mean, you know, enriching, enriching our lives, um, talking about how we, you know, work in the community and how we're a good steward and partner. Uh, so there. Are, Growth can mean so many different things and not necessarily this dynamic, you know, yeah, hey, we were, you know, X number of barrels and now we're 10 times that, right? So when we started to, you know, slow down a little bit as far as that, you know, percentage of growth, uh, still growth, but the percentage started to slow down a minute, we were able to say, do we have passion projects or other things that we want to take a look at doing and being a part of? And one of them was distilling. So before we even get to seltzers, we opened up a distillery in Carmel, right? Uh, so baked into the DNA before Sun King even had a name 
I was talking to um, one of our financial partners and Clay's dad, actually, Omar, who, who was our first president and CEO. Clay and I now share that role because he's since uh, retired and moved on to, he's a serial entrepreneur, so he just keeps doing you know, another business and another business, and he's in his mid-80s, so it's pretty awesome. It keeps him young. It does, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, you know, I said, hey, if we do this, if we do this beer thing really well, uh, there's a chance we can make some pretty decent spirits. And he said, Dave, what the hell do we know about making spirits? And I said, well, two things, Omar. Uh, thing number one is it all starts with fermentation. We're pretty good at that. And then secondarily, if uh, toothless uh, hillbillies in Appalachia can make some damn good shine with some very <laughs> rustic equipment, I think we might have a shot in making some tasty things as well. So, you know, that was always kind of on the side, uh, a back burner thing, and we were just waiting for the right time, opportunity, and, uh, you know, human capital as well as actual money to make that a reality so fast forwarding to um, seltzers was your question so seltzers it's fermentation we're the fermentation people right so we you know started to take on that project and look at the exponential growth of that segment um, and said okay how do we do this our way what flavors do we want to bring to bear um, and that market just continues to grow triple digits right so yeah can't go broke taking a profit you can't go exactly <laughs> hey we already have the equipment we are right. you know so why not gotcha well it's uh it's it's interesting to see these different trends come al- come along and and manifest themselves and and blow up are you guys seeing any kind of new trends that you're keeping your eye on that you may give a and a look to or maybe it's it's jumping off something of interest to where hey that's worth exploring anything like that uh rtds ready to drinks right so with spirits on the spirit side we haven't even begun to go down that road yet uh we we have canning prowess and we have fermentation prowess so that seems like a natural next evolution for us so sun king is a brewery first and foremost but we're kind of a secret adult uh, beverage company, you know. Yeah. We don't we don't mess around with wine, but really everything else is pretty fair game. That's, that's really something you saw the single shots coming with the wine, right? That's okay. Well, that's good to know. Um, with the de- I love the design of the the places that you've built, and now the Fisher's Districts and the Carmel Arts District. District. Was that a design of your own? Did you utilize a research agency for that as far as the triple tier and all the things you wanted to do? <laughs> or are you just like, hey, I want to make beer. You guys design a fun place for us to serve it. No, we have our hand in, in all of it. Um, we, you know, the place that we're in presently, the mothership as we like to refer right. to it, was out of necessity. We, we came up with a name and we got the funding way faster than we did Yes. Yeah, please. Sorry, we were ordering another round of beers. Uh, Pause break for more beer. Yeah, Yeah, more Uh, beer. So we, um, you know, this place was perfectly set up um, for a startup brewery because of the way the layout is. Sure. So, you know, 
that's really why this building exists. But it took us over six months to find a building. During the Great Recession, you would think that we would have our... But it's, it was so strange. We'd look at places and, um, you know, the lease was weird or just all kinds of different stuff. And we actually looked at uh, the church across the street, which had a, oh golly, um, Loomis Armored Car, you know, services, and they weren't upping, re-upping their lease. It's the 8,000 square foot cinder block building attached to this little church. And we're like, oh, that'd be a cute <laughs> little tap room, right? Yeah, and then go. production could happen in that big cinder block building. All great. Thank God we didn't get it. They re-signed their lease once, you know, the landlord, same landlord is here, dangled us in front of them. Uh, and he said, hey, we got, I have a building across the street. Would you be interested in that? And we're like, all right. It's not as cool. <laughs> but, you know. I get the church idea. I've actually been in some wineries where they buy an old church, they reverse the pews, and it becomes their tasting room. So that's a yeah. pretty eclectic uh you know, set up that not a lot of people have. So I can get the interest there, man. There are a couple of breweries that have done that as well. Church Brewery Works in Pittsburgh. And there's a, in New Buffalo, there's beer, church beer brewing. Um, I was just up there a couple of weeks ago. Tasty stuff uh, for sure. So it's just, you know, one of those things, getting getting into the right space. So past that, um, our first, you know, dipping our toe into trying another space was in a strip mall really exciting <laughs> that's the fa- the place you went to first right yeah. encountered sun king the first sure. time but we wanted to have a proof of concept would people care um beyond you know the mothership if we had another thank, thank you, you colleen so appreciate it Oop. cheers cheers Uh, you do the tap on the table too. My wife's uh, was a bartender, a general manager at times. In the tap, she always chastised me if I don't do the tap, man. You got to respect the. <laughs> I never. I mean, I you know bartended um, after college when I was trying to figure out what the hell I wanted to do. So, yeah. uh, so back to the spaces and design. We're like, sure. all right, let's you know, let's. It's a it's a short lease. Um, we can kind of build it out. Won't be terribly. Terribly spendy, uh, and let's just see if people will care. And they did, which was great. So that gave us the confidence to move forward with the Carmel location was next, and we got with the developer uh, Old Town. And the reason why that why we got hooked up with them is a great story. Uh, Justin Moffitt, who's one of the principals there his wife's favorite beer before she went keto uh, was Osiris and she said you know uh, she said hey before you go asking anybody else about putting in any kind of you know beer or whatever you need to go talk to Sun King so he cold called us and we had some meetings um, and we were like well I don't know yet let's see this sort of develop a little bit more and as it started to the picture started to become clearer we're like hell yeah let's do this thing um it was only going to be it started off being uh 14,000 square feet 
we were going to take the bottom floor at 7,000 and their offices were going to be on the top floor. How cool is that? And then he kept looking at it and he's like, yeah, this property, this real estate is too hot for us to, you know, put our office in here. We'll move it someplace where the rent isn't going to be quite as, quite as big. Do you guys want all of it? And we're like, well, yeah, if we put in a distillery, it's going to take up, you know, X square feet of that. Um, so it just kind of continued to morph during the conversation. What, you know, thinking about what folks want, um, we wanted to make sure that we were bringing cool concepts, you know, from California and Colorado and stuff this way with, uh, you know, kit, the pod, food pod situation. So right. it's like bringing food trucks indoors sure. year-round. And so, you know, we saw that being a, sex, a successful model, uh, but not having a production element in the mix and we're like whoop this sounds really cool and we have our beer already so here we go we you know engaged Delve uh, architect uh, architecture to come up with the building design so on the exterior you know the Monon Trail used to be a railroad right line so the next time you see that building look at it and think about an old train station so you've got this brick building that sort of funnels in the brew house or sorry the distillery sort of stands alone with a corrugated metal sides Man, like as, a, you're, as you're explaining it now I'm seeing it in my head yeah. from being there so many times yeah so the even though it's part of the same building the exterior package differentiates itself from the rest of the building right. and it that corrugated metal now looks like a train car, right? Mm-hmm. So we made a yeah, giant <laughs> train car. <laughs> That's awesome. And then when we came inside the design, you know, we pulled that element of train car and made corrugated metal fronts to look like shipping containers for all of the food pods. Mm. So, you know, we wanted to be very purposeful with our design. And this is all, you know, collaboration with Delve on that front and taking a look at what do we have historically is there something to pull from we don't have to be too obvious about it but you know can be cool at the same time no because i love the communal part of it with the courtyards and everything and the live music that carmel does or even in fishers where they built that whole new district where you guys are kind of in the central of the back there i think it's meant to have people visiting it and that's hopefully one thing we can get back to yeah please do you guys do you guys participate in a lot of the local festivals and things like that that go on throughout the state? Um, we you know have obviously pre-COVID. Sure. So we have a community development team um, that pre-COVID uh, we participated in over seven hundred different. I know people are like that's what? a big number. Wait, what? Yeah, that's a yeah. lot. Yeah. So we we participated in seven hundred different festivals, organizations, fundraising. Um, we, you know, very much want to give back to our community and make this a better place and a better city for everybody. So that's one of those things, you know, donated product for, you know, your kids, um, silent auction fundraiser, all the way through and including you know, being a part of uh, Carmel Fest sure. and other, you know, bigger, bigger ticket items, being a part of um, New Fields and uh, 
you know, pretty much you name it. Yeah, because I, um, I sit on the board of a local charity called the Indiana Diaper Bank, and you guys have been gracious and given beer tours for some of the virtual events that we've yeah, had. We've done some diaper drives too, yeah, right? That's yeah. it's fantastic. We really appreciate your support in that regard. It's our pleasure. That's uh, that's one thing I think that's that's strong within where we're at here in Indianapolis. A very servant attitude amongst the community here, and I think everybody's waiting for that day where we can jump off, and it's. I think we've had a good test with March Madness and now leading up to the 500. I think hopefully we'll start to see everything outdoors that we're coming back. The weather's been kind of wonky this week, but... Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, the old saying, right? Yeah. I don't, where are you from originally? So I'm originally a Florida native. Okay. So I came up here and it was called December of 2013. So I think I've experienced every kind of winter there is since I've been here. But uh, I can't take the Florida humidity anymore, so it's, huh. you know, my blood is thickened now that I've been up here. So I like seven degrees and no humidity. It's cliche to say, but yeah, <laughs> I kind of like it. it, you know. So for my friends back in Florida, seasons, you know. Right, right. <laughs> As they remind me often. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, man. Well, there's an old saying in, in Indiana, probably the Midwest, that, you know, if you're going to plant a vegetable garden, you don't do it before Mother's Day because there's always this random week where there's a killing frost or some yeah. random snow or sleet or something that, you know. And I was talking to some <laughs> folks who work at Sun King recently, and they're like, ah, oh, man, I just, and I go, I know, it tricks you into mm-hmm. thinking, like, April. It's sunny, and we got, you know, <laughs> mid-70s a couple yeah. of days, and you're like, ah, I want to get out and plant. No, don't do it. Yeah. Always wait to Mother's Day. I agree. Well, I'll give you my last question here, Dave, and I, I really appreciate you sitting down with me. You know, when I sit down with, uh, you know, clients for the first time, I always say, you know, if we were to look back now three years from now, and we could look back and say did we accomplish everything we wanted to do in that time? Whether it's personally, financially, emotionally, you know, if we were to do another podcast three years from now, where do you see Sun King three years from now as opposed to where you guys sit today? Um, being awesomer. <laughs> you know, and I mean that in all facets. Sure. Like, the one thing, you know, COVID's been terrible and has, you know, I've been lucky that I haven't had I haven't been personally affected in the, in a way that somebody has, you know, passed away or anything like that. So, you know, I'm knocking on a stainless table. Hopefully that yeah. continues. I'll call it wood. It's good. Right. On that front or maybe my head, you know, wooden head. But um, COVID, as I've said to our staff, COVID giveth and COVID taketh away. And, you know, what it's taken away has been a lot. But what it has given us, I think, it, if we truly stop to look around, uh, a beautiful reset, right? So we've had to pivot, pivot, pivot. In order to survive as humans, that's, you know, in our DNA. Um, as a business, that has to be baked into your DNA. Even without COVID, you still have to pivot where the market is going and talk about And that's, you know, back to seltzers, right? Yeah. So where where do consumers want to be you know adult beverage consumers want to be in the future that's where we're going to skew to as well while keeping our core principles right we want to be good stewards to our to the humans that work at Sun King and to the community at large and so if we you know keep that as kind of a north star then i think we're going to be okay in 3 years and i think we'll reach that awesomer plateau 
there are things that we haven't even dreamt of yet that in the next three years will be, you know, will become a reality. Well, that's beautiful, man. Well, thank you for your time, Dave. Cheers. Cheers, Jeff. Thanks for sitting down. Sun King, come check him out. Either in Carmel, Fishers, or here at the home base at the mothership in Indianapolis. Don't forget Broad Ripple or oh, the Bro- airport. Oh, the airport opening soon. I, you know, I was traveling through the airport, call it before the pandemic's stepped up, man. So that was, I saw that you guys were going there. So that's great. So come check them out. Support your local community. Thanks, Dave. Well, that's it for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. For the latest on Financial Views with Local Brews, please check out our website at financialviewswithlocalbrews.com. You can also find us on YouTube via our channel there under the same name, Financial Views with Local Brews, as well as follow us on all of our social media platforms like Instagram, Facebook, where you can like and connect with us throughout the craft beer universe that we're trying to explore here in the great state of Indiana. As always, cheers. The next round's on me. And I look forward to seeing you for future episodes. Bye, everyone.